Welcome to another edition of The List, a Right Fiction podcast. We've got a wonderful show for you today about our favorite jam bands. Before we get started, if you love the pod, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your listening app. It helps us reach new listeners like you. Also, be sure to check out our companion Spotify playlist with all our picks that we mentioned in the pod. The link is in the show details. Now, let's get to it. When the Grateful Dead formed in the late 60s, their music didn't fit into an established category such as pop, rock, blues, folk rock, or country. While individual songs could be considered under one of these labels, overall, their music drew on all of these genres and more frequently melded several of them. In addition, their live shows, fed by an improvisational approach to music, were different from most touring bands at the time. While most bands perform their set just the way they practice it, the Grateful Dead bucked this formality and took a much more casual approach to just about everything. From this blueprint, fans developed a strong sense of community and loyalty to not only the Dead's music, but to their approach to life. More bands popped up like the Almond Brothers Band, Fish, Moe, and Moon Boot Lover, which followed the Dead's blueprint and were accepted into this lively community of mixed genres, improvisation, substance enhancement, and festivals. And thus, a bona fide jam band scene or community was born. Today, there are tons and tons of jam bands out there. And for folks new to the jam scene, it can be hard to find your place in all this music and community. Fortunately, for all you folks out there, the guys and I will be helping you out today as we discuss our favorite jam bands and we've enlisted the help of a total music expert with some serious jam band cred to help us out julian booker welcome thanks so much for having me i appreciate it a quite quite an intro there aaron thank you yeah it's not done it's not done julian booker is an experienced and well-known radio host and audio mixing engineer currently he is an on-air host of the wxpn radio show sleepy hollow He's a regular contributor to WXPN's The Key, where he produces both audio and writing content. He also produces his own independent podcast, The Record Keeping Podcast, which focuses on interviews and music interviews with musicians and radio and music industry professionals. Recent conversations include musician Nicole Atkins and CBC radio host Talia Schlanger. And to his jam band cred, he's been Marco Benevento's sound engineer. Um, Production management at Ardmore Music Hall that brings in tons and tons of jam bands to the area. And he was the assistant production manager at the one-time heart of the Philly jam scene at the Blockley in Philly. Finally, he's also starting a new and exciting interview project at WXPN called Expansions in Jazz with Julian Booker, where he'll be interviewing the brightest stars in jazz today. And of course, links to his many projects are in the show details, including his amazing recent interview with Philly's own jazz icon, Justin Faulkner. Julian, 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 welcome. We are so honored to have you here. And um, it turns out that the guys in night know you from ran just completely randomly. You've been around the scene for a long time um, as a musician, as a sound engineer. And um, I realized I knew you before I even knew you. <laughs> um because you've been doing so much stuff man how, you, how how do you stay so busy man how do you how do you do all this stuff uh well i gotta make a living so um <laughs> mostly that but uh no you know i i just kind of decided at one point that if i wasn't going to uh play as much as maybe i initially anticipated i would that i wanted to be involved in as many things music as possible so uh, i just tried to latch on to it all and i've been really fortunate to meet a number of great people who have helped me along the way. And uh, yeah, you brought up the uh, the new jazz interview series, but I'm super excited for that. The uh, Justin Faulkner interview that uh, we did last month was great. And uh, starting on the 7th of February, I'll have a uh, great pianist, uh, Christian Sands, joining me. And he's actually up for a Grammy this year. So super excited about that. Yeah, man, you got some heavy hitters on there. Heavy hitters, um, especially uh, a guy, Oren Evans. I just walked past him oh, on Chestnut Hill just the other day. I'm like, I'm walking by him and I'm like, that guy, that guy, that <laughs> him. Rebecca's like, what? Who's, who's, who's him, him. Um, 
So that's totally, totally awesome. And um, you're a big jam band head, man. What, 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 what's the deal with that? What's the background on that? That's that's a great question. Um, I you know I kind of grew up um, in high school as like a Fish and Grateful Dead kid. Um, they were just uh, I, I got really into jazz at the same time, and and those sort of all blended well with each other for me. I, I just really got into improvisational music, and I think the thing it, it's funny when you when you ask me to be on this episode because I actually don't know how much I really listen to jam bands uh, in my free time. But uh, for for whatever reason, I've kind of found myself living in that world. And um, I think a lot of it is, you know, the live performance aspect of jam bands is obviously so important. And that community has really taken it upon themselves to make sure to foster a live community. And honestly, there's a lot of overflow with employing production people like me, you know, uh, taking the time and, and wanting to uh, literally financially support people who will make your music sound good. So um, definitely from the from the live audio side, it's just been a real, real stroke of luck to sort of fall into that scene and and get so much support from so many musicians. Definitely. And we want to uh, kind of dig into um, your your likes and stuff in that. And um, on that note, we're going to kick it off with the uh, with the favorite uh, jam bands of ours. So I'm actually going to go first. Um, and of course, here with the guys, it's me, Aaron Brown, the John Stockton of podcast dishing out assists left and right. And we have uh, Fetty, Fetty Bobetti Bourbon. I'm, I'm workshopping that one. Um <laughs> <laughs> It sounds, so like, it sounds like a birth. It's like a birthday clown or something. <laughs> Fetty Bobetti. Bobetti. And then we have Brendan Meta McGeehan. That's a new thing there for 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 you. And yeah. then we got this the solidified. I mean, I'm talking about the crusty, solidified, uh, hammer toed Adam Poe Diatris Zelensky. Podiatris. Uh, yeah, this Zelensky. is just a segue to my foot fetish podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> And on that note, here we go. Here we go. So my number three favorite jam band of all time is a very, very obscure, very obscure choice. And you can't find their music pretty much anywhere. Um, And uh, it's actually the band Caveman. And specifically, um, this band came out uh, early, I guess, 2000s or so in the Philadelphia area, uh, Philadelphia region. And specifically, the guitar player, John Lee. He uh, is an amazing dude, like, uh, I mean, like a wizard. He's a wizard. And um, I saw them play numerous times. We opened for them, uh, the band that I was in, numerous times. And um, he has this uh, recent album called True Bubaloo, and it's crazy and awesome, and he's a a wizard. So that's my number three uh, favorite jam band of all time. Now I'm going to kick it to you, Julian. What is your number three favorite jam band of all time well i have to say i'm glad that you mentioned caveman because they actually played the blockly which you <laughs> which you touched on back in the day but uh, my number three choice is circles around the sun uh, a band out of la and for anybody unfamiliar they were actually put together to create all the instrumental passages during the set breaks at the grateful dead's final fare thee well shows and so they just play really great extended instrumental pieces and uh, probably their best known member uh, Neil Casal passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, they did put an amazing record out last year. It was one of my favorite albums of the year, jam band or not. And uh, they've really continued on in the trio format with guest guitarists since then. And they're just one of my favorite bands playing right now. Yeah. And I listened to some of the music you played on our, um, you put in our Spotify, uh, companion Spotify playlist. And it was really interesting stuff. I mean, really interesting stuff. And it was like it, some of the stuff, Reminded me of more '80s rather than um, t- typical '80s rather than than jam band. So that was that was wonderful. Freddie, yo yo, we're here with you, man. All right, number What's three, three. Yeah, and uh, this is a, a real quick interesting story. Uh, I moved into a big old house on Ridge Avenue in 2001, and I had a birthday party, and our dearly departed friend Lee Schusterman gifted me with a double CD of Deep Banana Blackout, who I had never heard before, and they freaking blew the top of my head off. What a great band. They don't really exist anymore. Uh, Eric Cobb, the drummer, has gone on to have a great career, 
And I don't know what Jen Durkin, the singer, has been up to. She was kind of the focal point, but I don't think she really took it to the next level. I don't know. I could be wrong. Anyway, a great funk rock band from Connecticut, Deep Banana Blackout. Excellent pick, sir. Excellent pick. And Mr. Meta, what is your number three favorite jam band, sir? My number three is the band Antibalas, based out of Brooklyn, one of my favorite bands of all time, regardless of genre. And you guys know me, it wouldn't be one of my picks if I didn't pick something that was maybe on the edges of our topic, because we could argue whether or not Antibalas is a jam band, and I'm sure we will. But for my money, it's just incredible music. There are long form sections of improvisation, so that's why I put them on as a jam band, but just like amazing Afrobeat music and the style of Fela Kuti carrying that torch on and just a nod to our guests because I have many fond memories of seeing them at Ardmore Music Hall and they were always incredible live and hope to see them again one day soon. Number three. And a feat to fit on the Ardmore Music Hall stage in there. I believe it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. definitely. All right. Uh, Going to you, Adam. What is your number three? Favorite. All right, I, I went deep into the well for my uh, my number three here. This is a band that kind of existed mostly in the '90s, and they're uh, mostly in Binghamton, Little New York City. They're uh, they were called Yoke. It was kind of like a a harder edged uh, band with horns. I mean, uh, I kind of have a story I'll say for the second half because they were a big part of my uh, up upbringing. But uh, um, yeah, they didn't really. Uh, I think. They didn't really last much into the 2000s, but I mean, they were just a big part of my high school experience. Kind of a, kind of, you say, for a jam band, they're a little harder edged, but they always had extended things. They had a little jazz tinge to them. They, um, uh, Dave Fitzhugh's guitar was kind of like, kind of like a Tom Morello kind of did a similar thing. He always had like a bunch of dip switches on his guitar and always had like a bunch of different sounds. But uh, like, like I said, I have a, I have a more extended um, version. I'll, I'll go on in the second half because, um, and, just because uh, I, I don't want to, you know, plug it up here early. But yeah, Yoke is my uh, my number three right there. Excellent pick. Excellent On to the so. Anthony Mason of podcasts, Aaron, for your number two. <laughs> you mean the John Stockton of podcasts? I'm just going to go through 90s basketball players forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my number two favorite jam band is um, is a band that's like no longer around and hasn't been around for a very, very long time. Um, it's a band called Town Hall from Philadelphia. And uh, I think we, we might have opened for them a long, long time ago um, at the River Street Jazz Cafe in uh, Wilkes-Barre. And um, I love this band. They were, they were a band for me, one, because they actually played songs. Um, and, um, you know, they were just like excellent musicians and um, the har- harmonic use of uh, harmon- harmonies and harmonic use of sounds or whatever was a little more advanced than I'd, I'd heard um, other places, and they were just so great. And um, I believe, uh, Freddie, you you know some of those folks as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah. And they're yeah. all they're all still making music. Yeah. Well, I mean, Nate like, Nate has a uh, a side business, but he still plays. Right, right. Uh, and that's uh, Nate Scowls. Tim yep. Sonnefeld, uh, George Stanford, um, yep. Mark Rudin. Is that it? Mark Rudin. Yeah. And I'm sure I'm missing Rudin. someone else, but um, they were excellent. So with that, I'm going to kick it to to you, Julian. What's your number two favorite jam band? Yeah, I had to go classic and go with the dead. Um, they're just, you know, realistically speaking, they're they're one of the jam bands that I've listened to more than anyone. And as you uh, mentioned in your intro, they kind of created the language. You know, I, I don't think that any of the bands that we'll probably talk about or most of the bands that we'll probably talk about today uh, would exist if it wasn't for the dead. And you talked about Town Hall having great songs. And I think that's such an important component of what draws me to uh, the jam bands that I like. And and the dead could certainly improvise with the best of them, but they obviously wrote a ton of classic songs too. And uh, and I have listened to their records for a long time and and I know we'll, we'll continue to. So. Yes, a bit controversial that they're number two, but we'll get to that in the second half. Uh, Controversy of one. (laughs) What's your number two favorite jam band? Yeah, my number two pick is a band from New Orleans called Galactic that, uh, you know, they're 
they're a little under the radar as far as I'm concerned. I wish more people knew and appreciated them. And I actually saw them at Silk City once. Wow. And there was like seven people in the place. That's crazy. <laughs> and they did two sets. The first set was galactic music. And the second set was all meters. Wow. And they destroyed the place. And I was like, all right, that that's a band to follow. So wow. number two, Galactic. Excellent choice, sir. Excellent choice. Mr. Meta. Meta McGeehan. What's your number two favorite jam band? I got to get used to answering to that. So <laughs> in my day, in my day, I have been in a few jam bands and done some touring with these bands and and one band I was in we were on tour and we were so tired as you do because tour touring can be exhausting and we were setting up at some place I don't even remember where it was and me and the drummer were just like kind of grumbling and setting up but the the house music that was on in the venue kind of like invigorated us and we were kind of like moving and grooving we were like this is amazing so we asked the sound guy who it was and it was lettuce so that's why lettuce is my number two incredibly funky jam band i saw them a few years ago i think on the camden riverfront for some festival i don't think it was the xpn festival but it might have been and they were so great nigel hall on the keyboards amazing and then as a bass player i was of course attracted to the funky bass lines and the bass player was simply introduced as big baby jesus not not the big baby jesus you might be thinking of um because he was he was different looking, but uh, incredibly funky nonetheless. So that's why number two, Lettuce. That's blasphemous, sir. Uh, uh, Adam Deutsch on drums. Yeah. Adam yeah, yeah. yeah. Monster. Absolute nice. monster. Yep. All right. Uh, Mr. Podiatrist, what is your number two favorite jam band of all time, sir? Well, if, if uh, Brendan's going to, you know, toe the line on, you know, quote unquote jam bands, so am I. And I wait, went with. Wait, did you just say that on purpose? <laughs> what? Oh, <laughs> no, shit. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I guess, I, I guess, I guess, you, you know, but the power of suggestion, I wish, unintentional comedy there. I'm going to foot the line. If I'm going to foot the line. You're being very meta, Adam, referring to yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm only going to speak in third person from, from here on in. Anywho, um, I went with uh, the, the the band that can't find a home, Medeski Martin and Wood. And, uh, and you know, when you think of it, if I would have put this in a jazz category, you guys would be like, nah, they're too jammy for jazz. But you put it into the jam category, they're like, nah, they're too jazzy for jam. So they're going to have to, they're going to have to land here. I mean, I've seen these guys a bunch of times, three world-class musicians playing, you know, it's a lot, you know, it's a little funky. It's a little hip hoppy. It's a little, little um, ambient, and they just, uh, they just, they have so many good albums. They, I, it's one of those because we pulled up this, uh, you know, this this jam bands, uh, you know, um, uh, chapter of our podcast, and I'm like, I was pulling out some of my, you know, uh, Shackman, Combustication, uh, Uninvisible, End of the World Party, and I'm like, man, I haven't played these albums in years, and these freaking rule. I, I, we got to talk about them, and uh, and also for. Um, you know they uh, they've also partnered with John Schofield uh, for with you know with great results and I've seen them that a few times too. I mean, these guys you know they just they defy labeling a lot and uh, and, I, and they're just fantastic musicians. MMW number two. So so Adam, you're saying you like them? Is that yeah? I, that I, I, I yes, I I, I like them. <laughs> okay. Um so back to me uh Aaron Brown the John Stockton of podcast here. Um my number one favorite jam band is um maybe not a jam band cuz it's a person. Um I don't I don't even know if I'm saying his name right but uh, I've been saying it this way for years so I'm just going to say it like that. Anders Osborne. And um this dude I love this dude. I don't think he's a jam band but he's accepted by the jam band crowd. And um, actually, I saw him at the Blackley like a couple of times, and I was expecting um, to hear songs from like his album Coming Down, which was kind of an acoustic kind of album. And boy, he just played that guitar a whole lot, buddy. And there was there was he's a great singer, and he played his guitar a lot more than he sang, which was um, a little disheartening, but it was still great. Um, but Anders Osborne, my number one favorite jam band 
slash jammy person. You tried. So it's good. You tried. <laughs> I did. I, I really tried. I really tried. Um, Julian, let's get to your controversial number one. Buddy. Well, I want to say really quick that uh, I've mixed Anders a bunch of times and that uh, if you ever see Anders in the trio format, it is seriously one of the best power trios I've ever seen in my entire life. So I'll, I, I want to send that uh, that endorsement out. But yeah, my number one pick is Fish. And uh, the reason that I picked Fish Over the Dead is, you know, you asked me uh, how I sort of got into jam bands, Aaron. And, and for me, Fish is probably the one band that has led me in more directions in my musical growth than any other band. I'm, I'm a huge fan. I still go and see them live. But, you know, you go to a Fish show and you will see funk, you'll see rock, you'll see bluegrass, you'll see you know, acapella music and, uh, they've just sort of expanded my horizons in, in so many ways. And, uh, for me, when they are moving in, in all, all on, on all fronts, on all cylinders and, and everybody is doing something inspired, there's just uh, very few live experiences that can, that can match up to that. So I would be, uh, disingenuous if I did not put them in my, in my number one slot. And, and how many times have you seen them live, if you, if you don't mind me asking? Um, at this point, I think probably a little over 100. Probably, yeah, like Ooh, 32-ish, somewhere nice. in that range. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I think you're almost catching up to Adam on that one. <laughs> He's a little ahead. I'm only in my 60s. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I try. Um, <laughs> all right, Fetty Bobetti, what is yeah, your yeah, number yeah, yeah. one? Number one, number one. Band? Oh, real quick, I just want to jump back. Anders Osborne. That trio is that with a tuba player? Uh, the I have not seen him with a tuba player, but obviously knowing uh, he he is he, did. he is such a he did have one. Okay, yeah. It, I saw him at the Kyber many many moons ago, and it was just him, a tuba player, and a drummer. Nice, and it was, amazing. It was amazing. ridiculous. It was ridiculous. Uh, Me, Any, anyway. Anyway, all right. Off topic. Sorry. My number one jam band. And this band, to me, defines the current best of everything that makes a jam band. And that's Tedeschi Trucks, man. Vocals, playing, band members, the mix between funk and blues and jazz and rock. They got it all. And, you know, their original songs, I mean, I, I kind of more like how they interpret interpret other songs. That that to me is a big part of what I what I like. And my 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 good friend and former touring buddy Alicia Shakur is one of the background singers. And I've met them. They're all really sweet people and they deserve to be up there. And number one in my book, Tedeschi yes. Trucks. Very good. Very excellent. Excellent musicianship the whole nine. Uh, co-sign on that one, buddy. Um, all right. Brendan met him again. What's your number one favorite jam band, sir? Yeah. Well, this was an easy one. As you guys might remember, once we created our companion playlist, I filled mine right up and my number one is the sitcom spinoff from the Allman Brothers. And talking about power trios, which we mentioned before, probably one of my favorite, if not favorite, power trio. And I'm talking about Government Mule. I think they write great songs. I love Warren Haynes' voice. His guitar playing totally does it for me. And then, obviously, there's a certain bias because Alan Woody was their bass player in the early years. And after he passed, they did this huge thing to honor him that turned into a celebration of some of the greatest bass players alive. They would do concerts with revolving cast of, of star studded bass players. They did a bunch of recordings with them, which is kind of how I came to find them when I was uh, first kind of getting into the bass. I, I found these records and I was like, they have like Bootsy and they have uh, George Porter on here. And it's like everyone you can imagine. So government mule for me really just checks all the boxes of what I want and they can jam their butts off. So number one, Hey, Brendan, nice. was, was there a documentary about um, them playing with all those bass players? I feel like I saw that years ago. Yeah, I think it's just called The Deep End. I think yeah. I have a copy. Ooh. Yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. 
I got some follow up on you uh, uh, on that one for for you, Brendan. Um, there's some I have some I'm curious about some 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 how that fits into your world. Um, but before that, um, we're going to end this here uh, with the podiatrist. You know, you need to get some things checked out um, on your toe. Who do you go to? You go to Mo. Go ahead, Adam. Well, there you go. There's you you you. Uh... You, you you answered it for me. I I, 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 I just had to finish the, I had wow. to finish the, the rhyme. I had to finish the rhyme. Oh, Go ahead. It's please. all it's all about the phonetics. Yeah. If there's a if there's a <laughs> I mean, fish is the jam band I have seen the most in in, in my day. But uh, number two and and seen in appearances would uh, definitely go to Mo uh, from uh, upstate New York. Uh, what's great about Mo is and you know we're talking songs. They do good songs. They have three distinct uh, singers. Three different, you know, uh, all have good voices. They blend well together. They jam their butts off, as I heard somebody say. And uh, yeah, it was when Fish had their hiatus in 0102. I just followed them around for a couple years, and they were, you know, they were trying to really trying to grab that, you know, grab that position. They played some oh, great time, great shows, and just, uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot, lot of that uh, kind of in the spirit of the Allman Brothers, that dueling guitar, that you know, the the double leads, uh, and. Uh, yeah, then and of all these, you know, jam bands, uh, one of the true bands that would really segue between songs. They would, you know, they would they would play their, you know, they play out the one song and they would gradually play their way into the next song, kind of note by note, a little bit. But uh, now, some of my favorite live experiences came from Mo, so they are my nice. my number one choice. Right all on. excellent picks, gentlemen. And on that note, we're going to take a short break and be back with a lot of discussion. So hold on. And we are back. And so in thinking about this topic today, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about jam bands is like, how do you how do you even define a jam band? How do you define what um, the music is in terms of the wider field of jazz fusion, rock and roll, folk music, um, you know, Americana? Like where like how do you actually put boundaries around it? Um, and, and I want to go to you, Julian, about this because you know you know a lot about this, and you've seen it. You've seen a lot of these bands. Um, you've done a lot of sound engineering for these bands. So, in in, in your opinion, how do you kind of, um, I guess, place a place containers around the the term jam band? Yeah, well, I often wonder if jam band is a dirty word or not, um, because a lot of the musicians that I know that kind of get lumped into that category probably would not describe themselves as a jam band, probably adamantly would not describe themselves as a jam band. It's, I think it's more of a scene than it is a specific type of music. So, you know, if a few of you have said, I'm not sure if they're a jam band or not. Well, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, if you think they're a jam band, then they're probably a jam band because I'm not sure you can, you know, really easily define it. But, um, if, if I had to try to, I would say, you know, obviously, First and foremost, improvisation is the biggest part of it. If you don't improvise and you don't improvise a lot, then you are probably not a jam band. Um, but I think something I touched on with Fish and uh, a couple other people have too here is that there's a lot of genre blurring too. I think it's bands that have a very often wide range of influences and try to find a way to uh, meet those influences somewhere in the middle. Um, I think, you know, for example, a band like Lettuce or Antibalus, um, both great picks, by the way, um, and, and a couple of my favorite bands, they don't do that as much, but because they have so much improvisation and because they sort of live in the scene, if you uh, go to a dead show or if you go to see Mo, you probably know who both of those bands are and you probably see them at festivals, uh, you know, around the country. So, um, yeah, that's a kind of a, a, a long amorphous answer for a long uh, amorphous genre title. <laughs> <laughs> and Freddie, what, what do you think, man? Well, um, let's take um, Antibalis, for, for example. Um, great band. I actually saw them at the TLA uh, back in the day. 
when I was doing a show with Mootloo, we opened for them. And they're, they're, I mean, they have 10 minute, 15 minute songs. I mean, if you, if you think about it, Fela is one of the original bam, jam bands. He has no songs, had to had no songs shorter than, you know, seven, 10 minutes long. And it's, you know, there might be a theme and a melody played, but it's pretty much improvisation. So I, I think uh, that improvisation is the key. That mm. is the key. It, it's, and, but here's the question. Where does jazz fusion, jazz rock fusion end and jam band begin? And there's a blurred line, I think, between genres. Uh, I keep staring at that television poster behind you, <laughs> Julian. Yeah. I mean, Marquee Moon is like what? That's like 10 minutes long, that yeah. song. Yeah. Is, Mar- that a, is that a jam band? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I actually, I've thought about that with television a lot. Um, and it is definitely a jam song. I'm not sure if, uh, if right. television is a jam band or not. Exactly. Um, I'm stretching it. Right. But I do, I do want to say really quick because, um, you bring up Antibalas and you bring up Fela and, you know, Fela was really taking American funk music and mixing it with West African polyrhythm. And it makes me think about how in, in the jam world too, groove is such an important thing. Mm. Almost every band and maybe every band, uh, including the dead that we've talked about today, long grooves are a really important thing. And that's really born out of, I think, um, a lot of American funk and, and, and definitely somebody like Fela. Total. Hmm. And what, what about you, Brandon? What do you think, man? Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question that I don't know if I can provide a better answer than what's already been said. But for me, when I was preparing my picks, I was thinking of the criteria of would this group fit on a festival? And for me, if the answer is yes, then, then they would make my list. And, the band I've I've seen all the bands on my list, and I think I've seen all of them on festival bills too, which kind of brings me to one of Adam's picks, uh, Medeski Martin and Wood. I've seen them perform in a concert setting at the Kimmel Center, as well as opening for the Roots on a festival stage. And can you get more <laughs> extreme ends of performance venues than that? No, I don't know. No. <laughs> Adam, what do you got, man? Oh, uh, I'm I'm gonna jump uh, piggyback on one of Julian's point a little bit, and I think really the jam band, you know, <clears throat> label is really uh, one of the few labels that's kind of born of the like the fans of the scene, because uh, um, I mean, really, it's just I think the jam band thing is kind of a hastily thrown upon thing, and, and the need to compartmentalize things, which does kind of help us though, because we do like you know these themed shows if we, everything was just like it's just music man and then it's just like oh okay i guess we'll do another it's just music man podcast <laughs> but but uh and uh and i did like and i did like the whole um the groove thing that he was talking about it uh the, another uh, uh julian point and then and you really do notice with the jam bands every time you know i've i've, I've seen many festivals many many jam band shows it's like each band kind of has a you know, maybe a crutch or like a, you call it a signature groove that they always kind of fall into. And then it's kind of like the launch pad for, um, and for taking chances. That's another thing with jam bands is they take chances and, 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 uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes they don't hit, but, um, the thing is without taking that chance, you don't know, reach those certain highs sometimes. And really the more groomed jam bands can, uh, can really, uh, you know, hit a lot more than they miss, uh, uh Julian. Yeah, I, I was also just thinking, um, you know, a lot of these bands that we've talked about um, were born in the late 90s. Um, a lot of them sort of came of age in the early 2000s and something that definitely it comes off of the Dead's philosophy. But the other thing about this that I think needs to be said is these are also bands that lived on touring or started to live on touring at a time when that wasn't necessarily the way that a lot of musicians were, you know, a lot of like bigger name musicians were going to make their living. It was still in a time where records were selling, where that was still, I think, where a lot of people were going. And I think a lot of these bands made an active decision to say, you know what, we'll make records and we'll try and make good records. But what we're going to 
our bread and butter is going to be playing live shows and experimenting in live shows, which is uh, at least a while ago was a little bit of a different ethos. Now, you know, so much is based around touring just so people can can make a living. Freddie, what do you got, man? Um, uh, responding to that, um, there's a band that nobody picked, uh, Dave Matthews Band. But the, Dave's manager, Corn Capshaw, was a huge Grateful Dead fan, used to follow the band around. And that whole model for the Dave Matthews Band and why it's so successful is based on the Grateful Dead uh, in terms of the live touring thing. So they might have been the quote-unquote modern band, after Fish, that is, to really be a juggernaut, jug, juggernaut in that uh, in that aspect, to really take it to the road. Yeah, and they um, were and they were really able to blend like hit songs and records with a really rigorous and and successful touring schedule, and a great yeah. live show. Yeah, and a great drummer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's actually a good point, Adam. Um, because uh, I want to talk about um some of the these jam bands studio kind of take it a different direction to the studio recordings of these jam bands. Um, and in the studio recordings of these jam bands, like the a lot of it, a lot of what's valued I'm I'm learning from you guys is improvisation, right? And um, it's kind of like not a, maybe not a whole bunch of overdubbing. Um, and in addition, there's a certain like drum sound, uh, recorded drum sound for these um. It's like a thin kind of drum sound um, a lot of times for these jam bands and the, the recordings um, that I'm hearing. Um, like, what, what, t- talk to me about like the, the the recording side of of the jam bands and does it matter as much? And um, is it is it a thing or is it not a thing? Uh, because a lot of the emphasis was placed on the live the live uh, the live playing. Well, I think. When it, when you come to the jam bands and in the studio, it, it, it's almost like a kryptonite to the, the to the whole ideal of of what they try to get to. And, and in doing that, I think they kind of get in their own way a lot of the times, and they they try to make a studio album and and, and really just kind of neuter the whole idea of. Um, I mean, if you look at like a lot of Fish's early albums, they just they sound just so compressed and just is and and especially even a lot of hardcore dead fans will be like, Oh no, no, don't listen to the studio version. There's a live version that's better. And all, all, all the archiving and live recording just, it just kind of supersedes all of the studio albums, but like kind of, I think they always just kind of felt like, you know, you, you know, cause that's the model you have to make studio albums. You need tour to support the studio album, but kind of, but um, like, like, like a band like fish kind of just, they still made their studio albums, but they just decided, you know what, we're not, we're not going to, worry about the the regular model we're going to go around word of mouth play all these shows i mean they were giving up you know they were doing their first few festivals were just them by word of mouth and they got like sixty thousand people there and really that kind of springboarded so like what bonnaroo you know uh, you know in what 2002 when that that happened and then i mean you know then the industry took that over but the um uh jam bands and studio for for the most part i mean there are exceptions of course is a square peg round hole and they i think they just i think it's, I don't know. I'm trying to think. It's kind of hard to be kind of great on both fronts. I don't know. Aaron, what you got? Yeah. And the thing is, I was kind of thinking about this in terms of like, you know, somebody new to jam bands or whatever, new to the jam band world, right? And we have this Spotify playlist and we're like, yo, you want to get into jam bands? Listen to this. <laughs> and um, kind of no offense to any of our picks, but I wasn't really bowled over by any of them. Um, but maybe they weren't going to be no matter what. <laughs> No, maybe. Who knows? Um, honestly, uh, no, well, honestly, sometimes goodness, you know. <laughs> the circles around the sun, um, some of those recordings with that kind of shiny front, uh, whatever record that was with the shiny front, they were really good. And I could see myself listening to that like independently and then going to the shows like independently. But the other ones, um, even even some of the Tedeschi trucks, I was like, I could listen to this like independently of the scene or whatever, right? But if you're like a new person, Basically, um, the best way to get into it is to go to a live show, depending on the live show. Freddie, what do you got, man? Easily. I think uh, what you're saying is true. I also think that basically the Grateful Dead are an exception to that. Because they made two records that even my wife likes. (laughs) Working Men's Dead and American Beauty. 
I mean, those are classic studio albums. They made more than that, but uh, in the studio. But then there's also, you know, Europe 72, which is an amazing record, live or studio. And then what a lot of people, Julian, correct me if I'm wrong, think is the greatest show ever is the Cornell. 77, yep. Yeah. So, I mean, they kind of, they kind of, the dead kind of did it all. They grabbed, they, they're, they're a good starting point if you want. What do you got, Julian? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. Um, and, and to go back to a couple things that Adam said, um, one, I, I, I do think that he, he mentioned word of mouth and just the idea of sort of, uh, these bands popularity spreading in, in a really grassroots way, I think is, is also an important indicator when we're thinking about jam bands. But, um, those, those two grateful dead records, um, are, are, you know, two classic studio albums, no doubt. But, you know, he brought up some of the great Medeski Martin and Wood records, um, that are really good studio albums. A, a number of the other bands that people have mentioned, Galactic has made some really good studio albums. Antibalas has made really good studio albums. Lettuce, the same thing. And I find that it, even even Mo um, ha, has made some good studio work. And, and I find that sometimes when these bands try to capture the energy of what they do live outside of an actual live recording, it doesn't come over super well. But even with a band like Fish, an album like Billy Breeze um, or Story of a Ghost, or these really focused, um, you know, they're 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 writing songs and, and they're sort of not worried about trying to show that they can play a cohesive 10 minute jam, but they can say, Oh, we can actually make a really great five or six minute song. You know? So I, I think when these bands go in and they really try to make um, a, a record that doesn't have to define them and their live experience, sometimes that yields better results. And, you know, working man's dead and American beauty are, are, are great examples of that as well. That's an excellent point. Um, I want to kind of go back to the improvisation thing uh, one more time, actually. And I want to think about it in different terms. Um, so uh, when I think about improvisation and I want to hear something improvisation, improvisationally, um, I don't necessarily think about jam bands. Um, so one of the things that I was listening to, I listened to the playlist over and over and I was like, eh, this is cool. And I was like, I just want to listen to Weather Report. And then I put Weather Report on, I was like, ah, yeah, okay. They're doing some really, like, um, uh, more, I don't know if it's technical or compositional stuff um, that, like, it takes the improvisational thing to another level, a different place, if you will. And some of the other, like, um, jazz recordings that, that I listen to, and I'm, like, all into Oscar Peterson now. So anything Oscar Peterson, I'm like... When he's playing those keys, I'm like, yeah, dude, like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's like touching me in the heart. Um, so in terms of like the jazz band and the improvisation there, like, um, what's the difference between, you know, the jazz improvisation or even like the jazz fusion with like Mahavishnu Orchestra and, um, you know, the, the the fish, you know, like, so Mahavishnu Orchestra, I'm listening to John McLaughlin doing his thing and fish, I'm listening to Trey. Um, actually, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to Brendan first, and then we'll go to you, Adam. Okay, what do you got, Meta? Yeah, well, I think one of the things that gives jam bands a bad name in general, as an entire scene, genre, whatever you want to call it, is just the the ease in which they can just go on extended improvisational journeys over the open E chord of the guitar, and that can get boring to some listeners. But then. The exception to that is like, think of Coltrane's Africa Brass. That's all over. I think it is even an E chord. Like it just, it just goes and that you don't get bored with. So I think it is all about what you're doing over top of it. And for me, where the jam band thing kind of falls short is it gets a little too joyous for my taste. <laughs> like I'm thinking of, of Fish and Mo and, and, the, and listening to a lot of those songs on our playlist. It's just like, these guys are just too happy for me. I, I like, I, they're, they're way too happy. And that's why I hear you on the listening to some weather report. Like I need some, I need some torture, you know, I need some, some something a little bit more than just uh, staying in the happy major key. Adam, what do you got, man? Well, uh, more or less that, I mean, you're, you're just citing jazz. You like jazz. So you listen to jazz and, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, I 
There ain't much you more like to get jazz. Jazz. <laughs> jazz like it's a bad word. <laughs> like jazz. <laughs> I don't know. I can only listen to so much weather report before I'm like, Ugh, all right, Zomino. You know, but you know. <laughs> you, can always, you can always cite weather report. There's so on much other. Album. Yeah, that is true. I, I like I like the Jocko stuff. But anywho, back back to jam bands. And also saying you you you're talking you like jazz improvisation, but like and then Brendan talking, you know, some of the stuff is just over, like yeah, major keys, or there's just, you know, or or just you know some hard rock or some uh, you know little funk and funk can be repetitive and and really and and you know it's the you know the jam bands is the ultimate. You had to be there and say, I I I, you know I'm a big jam band fan, and as Julian opined at the beginning, like I don't listen to a lot of jam bands. I'm home. I'm not I'm not putting on like a 40 minute jam. Maybe I'm like a long car ride or something. But like you know I'm. You know, I mean, you know, we are the, you know, the very, uh, you know, up to the top, listen to everything, you know, enlightened music people we are, you know, listen to a lot of everything. But like the the, the jam stuff is great for, I like it for workouts. I like it for long drives, but mostly I just like being there, which is kind of the tough part right now, given our, uh, you know, covidious situation. Uh, yeah, yeah, Julian. Julian, yeah, what do you got, man? Yeah. Um, well, one thing to respond to Brendan, funny enough, you know, even with a band like fish, my favorite moments are actually definitely the darker, more ambient sort of, uh, dark funk moments, which to me, um, I, I don't know if you guys know the, uh, uh, I think it's a Les McCann song called North Carolina, which is, um, there's, it's just like a 12 minute live funk jam. And I, I guarantee you, if you drop in on the middle of that song, uh, you will think you are listening to a live fish recording. Um, it, 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 I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to share it with you guys after this because oh, it totally. sounds just like right it. On. Um, but you know, I think either way, um, because I happen to really like jazz and really like, uh, some jam bands. Um, to me, the important thing really is the interplay between the musicians. And as long as that's there, and as long as I can feel that, I, I don't want to say that I feel, you know, to use Coltrane as an example, you know, Coltrane's classic quartet, uh, you know, for me, I'm not sure that any band in any genre can ever match up to something like that, you know, but um, as long as it, it, as it does feel like um, true conversation between the musicians and they are on a high level, um, I, I, you know, I, I think the same things that turn me on about some of those great jazz recordings of any era are the same things that turn me on about, you know, a, a really good uh, jam band's performance. Uh, Freddie, what do you got, man? All right. So here's one aspect that we haven't really addressed when it comes to jam bands. Two, well, actually, two. One would be the visual, and two would be the visual. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yes. In other words, you know, uh, the light man in Fish is an integral member of the band chris Corota. yeah he's he's the man he helps make that experience what it is and then of course there's the other you know aspect of what people sometimes imbibe inspiration velocity velocity. yeah to, to help them enjoy the scope of of the total vision pun yeah, adam, what, do you, what, do you, what do you got adam Okay, I, I want to just uh, share a small anecdote that kind of just ties into a, a point of uh, jam bands with my, my third pick, Yoke. I know we've really gone on existential uh, the angle a little bit. I do want to talk about Yoke a little bit, though, because I, I even listen back to it now. I'm not, like, the hugest fan overall. The vocals are a little grating. It's kind of heavy. But, like, when I was in high school, um, and I, I lived maybe, like, an hour from Binghamton, we would go to this... Uh, this this pub, the New Cheers pub in, in Binghamton, and Yoke would be playing. And I, I was like, I was like 15. I was like getting in and like getting served. It was like the coolest thing ever. But like they would big not for, big for your age. I I, I yeah, I I I, <laughs> I, th- I think I actually when I was like finally 18 to could even le- legally get in, I'm like, yep, I can finally get in legally. And the door guy's like, What? And I'm like, I mean, bye, I'm going in. <laughs> but uh but like yo like Yoke would go on at like midnight. And, and and they would play until like four in the morning. And Yoke, and you saying Yoke was a little heavier with horns, and there'd be like mosh pits, and then there'd be like groove dances. It was just like this, uh, you know, it's just like a really nice, you know, mixed bag of a show. And um, and some of my, uh, you know, my, my, some of my hometown 
friends befriended the band and they ended up playing at like a small club in like a Lake Ariel, Pennsylvania. And like, you know, I used to play shows in this basement of this diner where they, and they came play the show. It was like the coolest thing ever. But like with the jam bands, they tour so constantly. You could see them a million times a year. They become like your band. You know what I mean? They become like, you know, they become, you know, it was just cool that like we knew Yoke, you know, that was just like the coolest thing for me. Yeah. Well, like Moon Boot Lover, for instance. Uh, yeah, when we think, played with him. No, no, not many people know who Moon Boot Lover is. Oh, but I love they, them. I and love Wolfberry, them. They are. That, that, dude, that dude is like the prince oh, of all Oh, my princes. God. Well, his name was Peter Prince. So Yes. Well, that, there you go. <laughs> he was the prince of all princes. Then. <laughs> well, even princier than Prince? No. Come on. Well, I, 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 no. Come on. no. Not, let's not go crazy. Let's, Come on. Okay. Oh. <laughs> You've got like puns, puns galore today. Hey, no. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I promised this in the in the, in the intro, um, and I, I got to kind of take it to, to you, Brendan. Um, so I'm looking at your picks, government mule, lettuce, antibalas. Dude, government mule, man, like I don't understand. Like knowing you the way I know you, I don't understand Please help me understand government mule. I don't get it. Well, like, because you, cause you <laughs> knowing your music, knowing your music, and like you're like um, kind of more experimental guy. Um, you like different sounds, um, non-traditional. Um, and when I listen to the the stuff on our Spotify playlist, that stuff like was very traditional to me. It sounded very traditional. And, you know, it sounded very kind of uplifting, actually. I felt a little good after I listened to it. I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to make you feel good after listening to music. <laughs> My goal is to pick the most great possible. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I guess for me, like, the they were a band that were that was very formative to me very influential at a time where i needed that as i mentioned earlier about the whole bass player connection that was just like you could just listen to government mule and learn a ton about the bass because of mm. the way that they celebrated that instrument so that was huge and then as i mentioned before too like i the longest running bands i've ever been in were actually jam bands and so i'm not very forthcoming with that information because i don't necessarily consider myself a jam band musician or anything and yeah, as Julian said, it can be dirty words, but uh, I was in a band for a long time and we like, we were a power trio. We like kind of wanted to be like a government mule thing, like heavy riffs, but song based, but also being able to do extended improv jams. And so they were kind of a model for me for a long time. So I don't listen to them yeah. that much anymore, admittedly, because they're not like, I'm not as obsessed, but yeah, for, for a while I, I definitely was. And I think that speaks to a lot of the, the whole thing with the, the jam band uh, allure is having that personal connection as has been mentioned so many times. Like I think seeing these bands will seal the deal. And I kind of struggled with our playlist a lot too, because I would, I would find myself being like, Nope, Nope, skip, skip. It just doesn't, it's such a different experience <laughs> having to like listen to stuff when I'm like, you know, in the car running errands or whatever I'm doing. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. but that's what we have to do now. Adam, what do you got, man? Uh, two quick things. Number one, I feel like I was at a festival one time and Warren Haynes was in every single band. Somehow. That's correct. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and that and wasn't that... a festival one time. That was every festival you've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the Dave Grohl of jam bands. He's everywhere. <laughs> and, and, and number two is a glaring omission from our uh, thing. Is, um, and I'll just throw it out to the gallery here. Why no Allman Brothers? How do the Allman Brothers not make it? I thought about adding them, but I think we didn't. One of their oh, live albums, live yeah. at Fillmore, that was on our pod from the about live albums. The interesting the thing, though, with that is we didn't kind of call them a jam band at that point in time when we talked about them. So maybe they exist, you know, in multiple realms, if you will. Very uh, Ju Julian, what do you got, man? Yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, they certainly could be as much of a blues band as a jam band in terms of how you wanted to find them. Um, and I, I am actually super surprised that they didn't make anyone's list. I want to say one thing seriously about Warren Haynes. And, and you know, I'm not a really very big government mule fan. I, I've never quite gotten it, but um, he does sit in with everybody. That is true. Um, but I, I will say, honestly, I mean, in terms of people who um, lift up younger musicians, who create space for younger musicians and other bands, um, I've, I've done gigs at his festivals. Um, I mean, he is 
if there is sort of a godfather of somebody who really ties whatever this eclectic jam band scene is together, it is Warren Haynes. Um, I think even beyond his music or his playing, whether you like it or not, um, that is undeniable. And I think that's a really uh, admirable thing. And and he's a super, super kind and uh, and, and gracious person. So I I do feel the need to, to say that about Warren. Right. Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent point. That kind of goes to, and so we we got, we got to end up uh, kind of close down soon. But I'll, there's two two more points I'd like to just touch upon, and one of them is the um, community thing. Um, so you know, Warren Haynes is a community thing, and um, it's, it was not actually not. I don't really touch on the community. I'm going to talk on the community substance of thing, um, uh, vis- visual visualization thing, which is like so which in my opinion, is so key to the jam band world. Um, the whole, like, uh, higher self-ness of it all. You know, um, I've listened to, I've seen a couple uh, jam bands at festivals, didn't like it at all. But when I was my higher self, I was like, I get it. I get it. When you're running in a field aimlessly and Dark Star Orchestra is playing songs that you don't know what's happening, and there's lights, and there's lights everywhere, and it's dark, and it's warm. This is wonderful. And so from that, and I'm not advocating people go to their higher selves, but um, that's a point that um, I think is very integral to the jam band scene. Um, and I think it's also why you know a lot of the community is young people um, and going to the shows and getting away from their parents and kind of you know being being their higher selves. Is that, is that a fair assessment, Julian? Uh, well, I want to say two things about this. Um, <laughs> first, I, 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 I do want to say that a lot of the bands on this list, uh, Fish, The Dead, Galactic, uh, Antibalas, MMW, um, they, these are all bands that I really fell in love with when I was still in high school. And I don't even think I had a drink before I was 17, mm. 18 years old. So, um, I, I think in one, on one hand, some of that is a little bit overblown. I think there are plenty of bands in this scene that, uh, y- you can be stone cold sober and they are still putting out great music. Um, but with that said, uh, I, I think that it might have more to do with the fact that uh, a couple of people have referenced festivals. Um, obviously, festivals are an integral part of, of, of the jam scene. And I think there is a certain freedom that people sort of undertake when they're at these shows. I, I think it's probably uh, spurned on by the bands themselves. But um, whether that means that you are, uh, you know, uh, taking yourself to to a higher place or um, you're just allowing yourself in whatever way to let loose a little bit. I think people associate uh, this music with, um, you know, not tying them to maybe their everyday lives where they're sort of bogged down by responsibilities and, and, and things like that. Adam, what do you got, man? Yeah. Yeah. And there's um, and then the whole thing with the taking chances and jamming thing. There's kind of this, you know, I don't give a crap attitude. Let's just hang out. You know, let's just kind of let it all fly and go like, and just, you know, let it rip kind of the kind of like um how i feel about about fish right now i said like julian i still go see them regularly and and then you know you, you like so you know like you aaron will like rag on you know you know, always try to poke me with the fish thing i'm like dude i don't want you to be a fan i have a hard enough time getting tickets i don't you know it's kind of like a little insular thing i don't want any more fans no more fans let me get my tickets <laughs> okay well you know what success on my part on that uh you got that one buddy um so but take that stigma, actually... keep running that stigma i love it <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's actually one other thing um so there's so many different ways we can i have a whole list of things to talk about we didn't touch on half of them but before we get out of here there is something that um i think brendan actually brought up um and that's this it, is kind of separate to the jam band thing but it's sound guy the term sound guy I know Julian, you've done a lot of sound. Brandon, you've done sound. Adam, you've done sound. I, what do you guys like being called the sound guy? No. Audio engineer. <laughs> Come on. No. I well, I yeah, I, I'll jump in quickly because I, I am definitively more of a studio audio person and uh, thank you, Julian, for doing for doing the Lord's work. Seriously, I I do I do live sound 
maybe a half dozen times a year for certain bands that I like. And man, every time it is, it is a battle. So thank you for doing it. And I'll call you whatever you want to be called. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't say that I particularly like the term sound guy, but frankly, as long as, uh, as long as, um, you know, somebody who, who does the work that we do is treated respectfully. And it, it takes, honestly, to do it well, because there's a lot of people that don't do it well. And, and I think that that's where some of that stigma comes from. And to do it well, uh, it takes a lot of experience and a lot of effort and, you know, doing it four or five nights a week for 10 plus years. And so I, I, I think it, it is a little bit pejorative, but at the same time, and, and again, I, I really do want to stress that, you know, the jam community is one community that doesn't overlook, you know, a, a production person's abilities and import to their work. And, um, and, and obviously that's part of the reason why right now is so hard because a lot of people in that field are totally unable to work. But, um, you know, I, I think, I think like that sort of sound guy stigma comes from, we've all played, uh, you know, tiny little rooms where there's somebody in the back who's friends of a friend of the guy that owns the bar and they have no idea what they're doing. And that's that. But I, I think once you get into a professional in, into a more professional setting, uh, you know, somebody can, can call you a sound guy and, and, and they don't mean anything negatively by it. Easy scapegoat. So, it's an easy scapegoat, you know, that's the first, first, uh, finger pointed, you know? Yeah. But are you ever like, uh, excuse me, sir audio engineer well i don't have an engineering degree so i you know i it doesn't, it doesn't I, matter yeah front of house, front of house yeah front of, front house, of house probably the preferred nomenclature and frankly <laughs> uh it also differentiates between you know there's people who are uh professional uh you know monitor engineers or monitor operators and and the, right. or, those are all oh, yeah. uh, very different jobs you know so and, yeah. and wait, wait hold on just, and just to bring it back to the jam bands like are jam bands harder or easier as a front of house person in terms of getting their audio. Cause I've played a lot of shows with jam bands and boy, Oh boy. Sound is like crazy. Like in, in terms of like getting the sound right and da, 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 da. Um, well, uh, is it like hard or easy? Do you think again, uh, not, I don't, I, I hope I'm not over emphasizing this, but actually working in the jam community has been the most important thing in creating my philosophy at mixing music because in order to mix a jam band well you have to find the import in every single instrument that's on stage and most importantly the people in the audience need to hear everything that everybody is doing at all times and mm. As other people here who have uh, other people here who have mixed music before, that is really not an easy thing to do um, to to find all of those spaces. And that has, you know, the, I've mixed literally. I've mixed hip hop. I've mixed metal. I've mixed anything you can think of. I've mixed Sun Ra. You know, I, or I've, the, the the orchestra, not Sun Ra himself, but the orchestra. Um, it that mindset and that idea of sort of trying to have a unity mix and everybody hearing everything at all times has stretched into everything I've done and has made me an infinitely better, um, live engineer. So it may be a little bit more difficult to develop, but there are real benefits, I think, to, to figuring out how to mix a quote jam band. That is very cool. Right on. Yeah. So take that Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to um, close up now, but um, did you guys have any final thoughts on, uh, first of all, thank you, Julian, for coming yeah, on to man. the show. Yeah. It's awesome to have happy. you dropping all this knowledge on us. And yeah, uh, yeah really great. Appreciate it. And we're going to drop links to all your stuff, projects and everything and um, that you have going on. And uh, really, really honored to have you. Um, any, any final thoughts, guys? Uh, Adam, come on, man. Give me some. I always got oh, something. Hey, I, got, I got two quick right. things. Uh, though, the, you know, I, I think, you know, when we do all these different podcasts and the different labels, like jam band is right up there with prog is like with almost like a bad word. But it's like, like, I think just jam band is just, you know, it's just a big it's a big umbrella that a lot of a lot of things fit under. And, and you know, much like any any, uh, you know, loosely, fitting, you know, loosely labeled genres, you just if you do some digging, you'll find some great stuff. And, and really, just, it's. It's a, you know, and a matter of taste as well. If you like weather report, you like weather report. But uh, and also since we're in a, in a, in a field of sound guys here, the that one hurt. point I want. 
yeah, br- breaking my heart. Uh, but um, with the sound guys, the other thing I wanted to bring up is that you're, you're never off the clock. And I'm sure the other, uh, you know, the other sound guys here, once you're known as a sound guy and you're at somebody's house or you're at a party and there's even the slightest issue with any of the sound, who are you going to? <laughs> Who are you going to call? <laughs> I have done so much free wedding work over the years. I'm not going to Yeah. It's like our, our, our work is never done. And, you know, and it, and, or even, even if you're not asked and you're just there, it just, and it's not good. It's just like you can't not think about it. So either oh, way, like you're never Adam off. Where, where's Adam at? Uh, I don't yeah. think the sound's not coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Get him here now. <laughs> yeah. You're even on the. Yeah, it, but uh, yeah, that's my my parting uh, point. There is just yeah, a sound guy's work is never ever ever done. And I, I want to hear Meta. Well, Meta, what, you got anything more on this? Closing thoughts? Not particularly. I, but I did I did want to mention because we didn't give them any love in the back half. I'm so glad, Aaron, that you picked Town Hall on this list because I think yeah. they're one of those bands that like should have been something more, you know. And I think they were their career as a band was cut short a little bit, but. Just on a personal note, one of the members, Tim, was like, which he probably doesn't even think of this, but he is one of my early mentors being a studio person because he's an accomplished, incredible producer. And I learned a ton from him back when my my younger days. So I'm glad. And he plays everything. Yeah. And they all did. They would like trade off when they play. We didn't even get to touch on it. It's like kind of the multi-instrumental facet that a lot of these bands embody as well. Yeah. I guess I'm hearing a, a part two where we bring on uh, the multi-instrumental parts and the uh, the bad vocals and and all of it. Um, but on that note, anybody got got anything else? All right. Well, uh, thank you so much again, Julian, for hanging out with us. Um, this has been the list, a right fiction podcast, and uh, we're going to be coming back to you next week with a, with another great uh, podcast for your ears. Thank you for hanging out. Take care. Right fiction.